from New York, Jerry. We are recording this on December 17th, the Pope's birthday, but our listeners are going to hear this on New Year's Day. So uh, happy new year. Happy new year to our listeners. So 2019 was a packed year in Vatican news, and we wanted to use this episode on New Year's Day as a chance to look back on the year's most significant stories. So we're going to talk through some of the biggest developments, and then we're going to do a lightning round of our favorite stories in different categories from the year. So first up, starting near the beginning of the year, we had the Vatican Sexual Abuse Summit when the heads of every bishop's conference in the world came to the Vatican to hear from survivors and get on the same page about the fact that sexual abuse is a global problem. This was followed up by the Pope's decree, Vos Estes Lux Mundi, which laid out a timeline for new reporting structures and laid out guidelines for holding bishops accountable. Jerry, it's been almost a year since you and I were in Rome covering the summit together. Um, I'm wondering, looking back over the last 11 months or so, it's been since then, what do you think has been the biggest effect of the Abuse Summit? Well, I think that starting with the Abuse Summit, Francis set out on a road where he, at different stages, intensified the Church's effort to eliminate the abuse within the Church, to protect children for the future, and then to make a contribution to society. And he did it in five steps. The Abuse Summit was the first. The second was the summit where in May, where he brought out this document you've just mentioned, the Vos, you, you are the light of the world, which laid down the not only the question of the accountability, dealing with the accountability of bishops, but also saying everybody in the church is accountable to uh, eliminating abuse, to dealing with abuse. And he made everybody responsible. Thirdly, when he met the nuncios in June, he made very clear, he said, the Vatican law of the Vatican city-state, of which you are a part since you are ambassadors of this Holy See, we're introducing very strict regulations on terms of you have a responsibility to denounce, to report abuse, to take action, and also you have a responsibility to help others. Right now, we, we, we find today this uh, new legislation, which in a way closes many gaps in the Church's legislation and ensures that now there is a solid framework within the Catholic Church for dealing with abuse from which no one is exempt from having a responsibility. And in this case, you're talking about the elimination of the pontifical secret, which was announced the day that we are recording. Yeah, the elimination of the pontifical secret, but also the fact that you can have lay people working to uh, act as advocates, defenders in the church tribunals. Survivors have a right to have the information. Their advocates have a right to have the information. Francis has turned a new, a new page in the history of the church. And it's the first time in church law that there is a moral duty to report also to the state the, abu the abuse or the crime. Right. It seems like, um, you know, while 2018 was the year that a lot of these major sexual abuse cases came out again, 2019 was there that we started to see how the church would respond. Um, in addition to the abuse summit and all of these effects of it that we've just talked about, this was also the year that Cardinal Theodore McCarrick was laicized. He's no longer Cardinal McCarrick. He's no longer Father McCarrick, Mr. McCarrick. And it was the year that Cardinal George Pell went to prison in Australia. Looking forward to 2020, um, by June, I think we're supposed to have all of the reporting hotlines in place in every diocese in the world. And there 
hopefully will also be the handbook that we've been talking about uh, ever since the abuse summit. Jerry, what's the update on that? Are we expecting that to happen? Yes. Uh, Archbishop Shukluna, who is one of the team that the Pope has set up to push through all these changes, he told me that uh, early part of the coming year, we will have this handbook. Because now with this new legislation that has come in today, they're able to complete the writing of the handbook. All right. So a lot of big updates this year and a lot that we're looking forward to in the next year. Next up, let's talk about the Pope's travel. Uh, the Pope took seven international trips this year, and we just recently talked about the trip to Japan back in November when the Pope denounced the possession of nuclear weapons. But I wanted to talk to you about the Pope's trip to Abu Dhabi back in February when Francis celebrated the first papal mass on the Arabian Peninsula and signed a major document on human fraternity with Muslim leaders. Jerry, back when we talked about this on our episode about this trip, you told me that you thought it was difficult to convey the long-term consequences that could emerge from this visit. I'm wondering, 11 months out, um, what have been the long-term consequences? What have we seen so far? Well, we've seen the setting up of a commission, a joint commission of Muslim Christians between those from the United Arab Emirates, uh, the Al-Azhar, the Sunni Muslim Center in, in Egypt, and the Vatican, to continue the message of this document on human fraternity, because the, the basic message is very simple. We are all brothers and sisters, members of the one family, members of God's family. This is very important because if you think the Catholics are one in six in the world's population, more or less, Muslims are also about one in six in the world's population. So here you have the two biggest religious communities working together to foster peace, also to contribute on the question of the environment and to try to eradicate the tendency to violence and mistrust that is, has spread so far across the globe. Yeah, just as we saw a lot of attention being paid to the climate and towards decreasing violence in the Middle East this year with this document and this trip, uh, we talked about some of those same issues in the Amazon Synod. So let's skip ahead to the fall and talk about that. Um, in October, we had the Amazon Synod when all of the bishops from the Amazon region, along with indigenous people, leaders, and experts from around the world, came to Rome to lay out how the church would respond to the many challenges facing it there the ecological and industrial challenges, but also the challenges of ministering to remote communities. Uh, Jerry, the biggest developments from the Synod have yet to be finalized because we're still waiting for the Pope's final document of recommendations. But I know that we had originally talked about that being ready before Christmas if the Pope had time, but now we are past Christmas. Um, when are we expecting to have that final document? In the first months of the new year, really the Pope has wanted to try and get the document out before Christmas. He simply hasn't had time. If you've studied his agenda since that synod, you realize that he, he was in Thailand, in Japan, but also he had so many meetings here in Rome. It, it, it was really just go, go, go. He, he hasn't had time. So now he's obviously going to use his Christmas holidays, in holidays in inverted commas, uh, to focus on this. I, I expect he'll, he'll want to get it out pretty early in the, in the new year. How long after a final document like this is released does it usually take for changes to go into effect? I'm, I'm thinking about um, specifically the recommendation to ordain mature married indigenous deacons as priests. Um, I know that if Pope Francis chooses to go forward with this, which he may not, 
um, it, would they start doing that immediately or would it take some time? Well, I think it's impossible to, to say how long it will take to implement. Is there some decision you can implement very quickly? For example, they will set up, I think, pretty quickly a coordinating body to continue the work of REPAM. Jerry, I'm wondering, what was your big takeaway from the Synod? You know, we're a little ways out now. I'm wondering what, what you're thinking the big uh, long-term effect might be or what, what the biggest thing to come out of the Synod was so far. The Synod was the first concrete realization of Laudato Si in his encyclical. And the kind of, the way the Synod worked, it was really a synodal process. Francis keeps talking about a synodal church where we all walk together, we all work together, we all think together, we all try and discern together what God is saying or the Spirit is saying to the churches in the modern world through the various problems they're facing. That synod was a real model for the future. So this is something that we're going to see some more developments in in the coming year and probably in the coming years. Jerry, now that we've talked about some of the big stories and themes that emerged this year, I want to move into our lightning round. So we're going to ask you some really fast questions about your top stories in different categories. Are you ready? Uh, yes, I am ready. <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> All right. What do you think was the most significant appointment that the Pope made this year? I think the new cardinals. The choice of the 12 new electors, I think, is very significant because he really chose people that very totally on his line, missionary cardinals, people who will really have a big impact on the future of the church. Right. With the new cardinals, it's now he's now named more than half of the cardinal electors in the College of Cardinals. All right, next question. Which papal trip from this year do you think will have the most long-lasting effects? Uh, so certainly, in my view, Abu Dhabi. The relation with the Muslim world is fundamental to the peace of the globe. And I think that Francis has made an inroad into the Muslim world. He is now so well accepted in the Muslim world. Speaking of relations with other religions, um, what do you think was the biggest ecumenical or interreligious dialogue story this year? One that got little attention, I think, was his visit to the Patriarch in uh, Bulgaria. Francis has visited the Patriarch in Bulgaria, the Patriarch in R Romania, and I, I think it's very important, this, let's say, less visible but very important dialogue with the Patriarchs of the Orthodox Church. And Francis not only met the Patriarch of Moscow, you remember, in, in uh, Havana, the first ever time the Patriarch of Moscow and a Pope met, but he's also met so many of the other Orthodox Patriarchs, and he has this excellent relationship with Patriarch Bartholomew. I, I think this is, it's underreported in a sense, but it's a very important dialogue that is happening under the radar. Right. We just talked about how he gave Bartholomew the relics of St. Peter uh, a couple months ago. All right. What story do you think was the biggest out of the Vatican this year in terms of the climate crisis and action on that? Certainly the Amazon Synod, which was the concrete uh, representation of what is called for in the encyclical Laudato Si. And uh, I think uh, that's very important, uh, all the consequences that can come from that, because Francis believes in starting processes, and that's what he did with the Amazon Synod. He started a process in the Amazonian region. He started a process that will 
had ripple effects across the world. Yeah, and the climate crisis is something that we always uh, say is, you know, especially important to young people. We've seen them taking a lot of action on this, which leads us into our next question. We're always talking about how this is an intergenerational conversation between you and me. What is one story this year out of the Vatican that you thought spanned generations? I think the document that the Pope issued after the youth senate, it's a document that's full of energy and uh, ideas, and it's a stimulus. It's not a finished document because the young people with the church in the different countries have to finish it, but it's there and it talks about the young people appreciating old people, old people learning to listen to young people, but together the richness they, they can contribute to the church in the world today. I, I think that document has been overlooked and but really needs to be studied. Yeah, I really liked that document when it came out. It was called Christus Vivit. And I don't know, I found that it really spoke to my experience as a young person. I remember it definitely spoke about like a sense of restlessness that young people have. And, and I thought that was very accurate. And the things that it called for were really apropos. Um, last but not least, Jerry, what is one story that our listeners should pay close attention to in 2020? I think what we should watch in the next year is the relation between the Vatican and China, between the Pope and China. The Pope keeps sending signals to the Chinese leadership that he would like to go there. It's not yet clear whether they want him, but I would be very interested in following next year what is happening to the church in China, the underground church, the more official church, whether this Vatican-China uh, agreement is indeed working out, and whether the Chinese are really committed to a good relationship with the Vatican, with the Pope, and, and whether they are willing to invite him to China. If they do, this would be a very significant signal. Yeah, as we watch that story develop, if our listeners want to learn more about uh, the Catholic Church in China and the situation there, we have a documentary called The Catholic Church in China on our YouTube channel um, that I'd highly recommend checking out. I will link to that in the show notes, as always. Jerry, um, there's also something exciting happening with your book next year. Do you want to tell us about that? Well, yes, it's going to come out in French in the early part of the year, and I understand it's also going to come out in uh, in Portuguese and perhaps some other languages. I'm very pleased about this because Portuguese, it'll come out in Brazil. That's a really exciting uh, development. Congratulations on that. That book is called The Election of Pope Francis, an inside account of the conclave that changed history. All right, Jerry, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about the year's biggest stories. And I'm looking forward to doing this podcast with you for another year. So I'll chat with you next week for our regular episode. Thank you and Happy New Year to our listeners. Pope has gone to 51 countries already, and it looks like he may go to another eight or nine in the new year. We've got another busy year ahead. All right, Jerry, see you later. Inside the Vatican is produced by America Media at our William J. Lowshirt studio in New York City. This week's episode was produced by Tucker Reddick. Our news producer is Kevin Clark. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. Our studio manager is J.R. Kronheim. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next week.